following is a darshan given by His Holiness Jaya Pataka Swami Maharaj on October 19th, 1982 in Honolulu, just those people that Lord Chaitanya's mercy is available to everyone. But Prabhupada, he tells you that certain things are performed by someone who does take to the chant of the Holy Name. That he has already done certain material purifying process. So generally, most people that, that chant Hare Krishna Prabhupada says, let me, let me read what he says. If I can do that. Well, you have to read all Prabhupada's books. Well, this is it. Just as this... Uh, this is a student in a law class is to be understood to have already graduated from general education. So anyone who is engaged in the chanting of the holy name of the Lord, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, must have already passed all lower stages. It is said that those who simply chant the holy name with the tip of the tongue are glorious. One does not have to chant the holy name of the Lord and understand the whole procedure. 
to eradicate such doubt from the minds of unbelievers, this verse affirms that the stage of chanting of the Holy Name of the Lord is not sudden, but that the chanters have already performed all kinds of Vedic rituals and sacrifices. It is not very astounding, because no one in this life can chant the Holy Name of the Lord unless he has passed all lower stages, such as performing the Vedic ritualistic sacrifices, studying the Vedas, and practicing good behavior like that of the Aryans. All this must first have been done. So therefore we would say that we introduce anyone who's taken already done all those things? Or what she's trying to say? I mean, how is what she's trying to be more manipulative than Christian? I mean, what is, what is the meaning of Mahavadana? When discussing these philosophical points, there's always the danger of looking at something only from one particular angle. Because the scripture describes the uh, truth from many different angles and that's why, just like the scripture says that you shouldn't touch any bones. Another place it says, or if you do, you should take a bath. And yet we use the bone in our puja in the form of a kwansha. And that's considered to be pure. In fact, we bathe the deity with the kwansha. Similarly, we're not supposed to touch any animal stool, but we use the cow dung to bathe the deity. It's so pure. We use it to purify our house. So like that, <clears throat> in the scripture, you'll find different examples given at different places. And the problem is that if a person does not take the proper uh, instruction to combine those apparently contradictory instructions, or if one doesn't follow the scriptures clearly, then it creates a whole confusion. Actually, this was described by Srila Prabhupada in his books, that uh, the basic thing is that we have to become spiritually qualified, we have to become Krishna conscious. And so there are different ways that that can happen. For instance, I remember there was one devotee at the Kuma Mela who kept asking Srila Prabhupada that uh, it says that we all performed all these different activities in our previous lives. But from my very birth, all I've only been interested in the sense gratification, breaking principles. Uh, I don't see any reason why I should have been chosen to be Krishna conscious or why I've had this good fortune. I don't see any good qualities in me. And then Srila Prabhupada, uh, he just, he just uh, very emphatically spoke, that, yes, I am the cause of your good fortune. I have given you your good fortune. <laughs> and then there were some other devotees 
Some other devotees, one time in India, Srila Prabhupada was saying that, oh, these devotees are all been devotees before, they were in India before, they were born as devotees before, and they were sent to me just to help me. And then one life member came in the room, and he said that your disciples are so wonderful, they're greater than so many Indian sadhus that I've seen. So they must have been uh, born as sadhus in their previous life. And then Prabhupada called everybody, all those people in and said, This thing, what did I tell you this morning? Now he is confirming. Same thing he said. So then uh, one devotee said that, uh, but Srila Prabhupada, uh, so sinful, so many desires, how can, how can this be something? question like that. And Prabhupada yelled out, angry. Why are you doubting? That is all superficial. So even in Srila Prabhupada's destruction to different disciples, there are different uh, situations. Of course, the devotee who said that just simply here by my mercy at this time is blue. I don't know if that means anything. But the person who he said was, uh, the devotees who he said were devotees in their previous life, they're all still in the movement. And uh, two of them are acharyas, and one other is a sannyasi. So, in this regard, I think that the only the only proper answer would be to say that from a, from different angles, both of the propositions are correct. <laughs> that definitely there are souls who were devotees in their previous life and have come to the Krishna conscious movement. At the same time, uh, there are also souls who are elevated by special mercy. The Prabhupada explained this, that the, just like a person becomes a millionaire. You see, some people become millionaires by their hard work. Just like a person who practices devotional service, rules and regulations, gradually elevates sadhana, siddhi. He becomes perfected by sadhana. And then finally gets the mercy of the Lord. Others are born with already some kind of special qualities. Nityasiddha. And there are others who don't have any apparent quality, but they also get their mercy. So, without having any quality, but still getting the mercy, then that's called Kripasiddhi. The Prabhupada said that all three are there. So how can we say that there's no Kripasiddhi? When scripture is saying there's also Kripasiddhi, meaning a person doesn't have any qualification, but just by the mercy of the Lord or his great devotee, that person gets the special uplifting. Of course, if you want to say, well, they've all performed this uh, bathing before, well, the answer is right here on, uh, I think it's the other side, the English side. 
of this uh, prayer. That simply by seeing the devotees of Lord Chaitanya, according to number three, merely by the touch of the waters of the sacred Ganges, one becomes liberated, but even he is the lowest of mankind. But just by seeing you, the same effect is achieved, such as equality. That just by having the association with Lord Chaitanya's devotees, they've already bathed in the Ganges. Because their association also contains the essence of the Ganges of the Holy Dhamma. So the point is, the example is that just like getting a million dollars, so people get million dollars in different ways. Once you have a million dollars, that means you already had 1,000, 10,000, 100,000, 500,000 automatically. You see, but some people went through the gradual way of getting it, and someone else, they may have just been handed then there used to be a television show. No, you didn't. So the point is that the special feature of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Nityananda is that they don't consider who's qualified and who's unqualified. They don't actually make that consideration that what is this person's qualification. Even if a person is qualified but very proud, rather they may neglect that person. And if a person is very unqualified, materially, then uh, still Lord Chaitanya, without considering that if the person just comes forward for uh, getting the mercy or somehow is introduced by some devotee, then uh, Lord Chaitanya gives that mercy. So, this way you can argue this point on infinitum, that what came first, was there any mercy that came before this or that. But if you take it that there must, in the material world, since they fell down, they came with no credit. So somewhere along the line they had to build up some credit. They had to meet a devotee or build up some sukriti. How can someone say that this wasn't the first time that somebody built up Sukriti? There are people who are completely no interest at all in Krishna consciousness, even offensive. And just by a concerted effort by a devotee feeding them prasadam and, and, uh, and in different ways cultivating them, that they're completely turned around. And there are people that walk in the door, just like I gave a lecture in the National Library in Peru, in, in Lima. And uh, there were two people who came uh, to go to the library for studying for their final exams in an auditorium and in other part of the building the program was going on. So they came over to listen. They listened to the lecture. And just in that one day, that one lecture, they came and joined with them the next day. They never heard of Krishna Kanji movement before. So, of course, we can't only say that, well, it was that powerful lecture. Some would come so easily, it would seem to indicate that they had this previous, some assets. And there are some who come with great difficulty, even come and go, or they come for a long time, or they just, you know, they're known, I think, as that they have different names for them, <laughs> who come for a long time, we just don't ever seem to surrender even though they're not offensive, they're not, but they just don't have any desire very much. 
for becoming Krishna conscious, but somehow, of course, those that we know, they come and go a little bit. So, in that regard, the real point is that once a person is qualified in chanting Hare Krishna, then it's to be understood that he's a millionaire, for example. So, therefore, he's already uh, has all the qualities. He's already technically, therefore, you can consider that when he's gone through everything. And uh, even in the question of being abrupt, in the eternal sense, even if, this, if the whole transition takes a very short amount of time, because of the power of the holy name, that effect is also perfect. It's not that the effect is imperfect, that, that a person uh, who gets the mercy of Lord Chaitanya and becomes uh, fully purified, is only partially purified because it happened in a shorter amount of time by some superficial vision. So Prabhupada says this point that whether one is born perfect or whether one is uh, become perfect by practicing devotional service for a long time or whether without any apparent uh, qualification, they just got the mercy. <coughs> that they, once they get to that level of pure devotional service, they're supposed to be considered, to be considered as uh, perfect. We don't say that he is American Vaishnava, he was a Vaishnava. Prabhupada objected when they were called Haridas Thakur, Javan Haridas. Once you're Haridas, once you're uh, a devotee, then there's no question about what you were before. So here you have a situation where you'll find purports which uh, some of them stress the previous qualification while others will stress the mercy of Lord Chaitanya to deliver everyone. Then you can, if you want to go on in this way, you see, by mentally trying to understand, then you, well, if the souls have been in the material world for so many millions of births, then is there anyone that that even as an animal or as a fish or something, never swam in the Ganges or never uh, saw a sacrifice. So then this way, then you can go out and it becomes a whole mental, you know, what became first, the seed or the tree type of situation. So, in that way, there's always a limit to our ability to understand these things by our mental power. Prabhupada gave us this example in different places about these three different ways of becoming perfect. So Kripa Siddhi means that without any cause a person just gets to cause this mercy. So that means that there are some that don't have any qualification, but they got special mercy. And so that definitely is uh, the unique feature of Lord Chaitanya. But there's another thing which is more unique in the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement, which uh, sometimes devotees fail to understand. that Krishna, he delivers all these, even demons, he gave them mukti. And he delivered so many souls, gave them all liberation, and some of them he elevated to places in the spiritual world. 
But there are many, many souls who are present here who did not develop love for Krishna, even when Krishna was present. In fact, it also says that you can chant Hare Krishna even for a million births if you're committing offenses and you won't get love for Krishna. But yet, Lord Chaitanya's mercy is such that we know that in this material world everyone is liable to commit so many offenses, yet uh, and so many sinful activities, yet he gives them love for Krishna very quickly. That he is giving out Krishna Prema for deity. Krishna Prema means love for Krishna. Because Lord Chaitanya's nature is to forgive offenses. Even if we're in this material world, even if we've bathed and done all these things, that doesn't mean we'll get liberation or we'll get even, uh, or to speak of love for God. Because if we've committed offenses, and if we're still committing offenses, those offenses, you see, are enough to uh, delay our whole progress. This is the special mercy of Lord Chaitanya that he eradicates all of these offenses. That he eradicates these offenses by his causeless mercy. Thus the real prema, the real love for Krishna, which is dormant within us, becomes manifest. Krishna prema nitya siddha sadhu kabunoi savanad nitya siddha krishna prema sadhu kabunoi savanadi suddha chitta koraye udoi that we, the Krishna frame is within all of us. It's not that uh, we haven't been pure. We all were pure at one time. Krishna frame is a natural nature of all of us, but we've been covered up. So when the covering is removed, you see, by either either that it was removed before and we've come just appearing to be in the conditional world, but that's called nityasiddha, or whether we by our practice or whether by some special mercy. Once the covering is removed, so where's the question of how it was removed or what we were before? You see. Once that uh, that uh, illusion is uh, taken away, then, then one is already automatically qualified. So this illusion is covered even one has some spiritual asset, but by offenses, that thing is that asset is being hampered. It's being uh, blocked. You see, the example is given that look at so many demons. They went to Vrindavan to kill Krishna, and Krishna, I mean, and Krishna killed them and gave them liberation. So he, Krishna glorified how kind he was. But Jagai Madai, they went also to practically kill Nityananda. But by the mercy of Nityananda, Lord Chaitanya gave them love for Krishna. So this is a this is the difference that Lord Krishna he gave Mukti very easily. Sarvadharman pritajamame kang saranang bajahantam sarvapape bhyo mukti shami masucha. I'll liberate you from all these sinful reactions. And also he gave, just like he gave the position of his mother to Putana. But how many actually got love for Krishna that were, those were 
some very rare and some very special devotees. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave love for Krishna to everyone. To all the devotees and the, those who came forward, those who uh, somehow or another got that mercy, and he gave love for Krishna. And this love for Krishna is the is the the real jewel. That is the real diamond that uh, everyone is hankering for. Because by that love for Krishna, it doesn't matter anymore whether you're born in the material world, spiritual, where you are. If you have love for Krishna, then you automatically achieve more than liberation. All the liberations are already achieved. And therefore, what difference does it make? As long as we have love for Krishna, whether Krishna wants us in the material world or in the spiritual, it's all spiritual. Because with Premanjana Charito Vilo Chanena, with the eyes anointed with the salve of love, you're seeing Krishna always. Everything is connected with Krishna. So, in that sense, <clears throat> that Lord Chaitanya, not only did he give quantitative mercy, but he also gave qualitatively more mercy. Now, the subject here we're discussing is the, uh, in the quantity of devotees that he gave the mercy to. Or you can say that in terms of the quality, but the different number of devotees that he gave the mercy to. Actually, he said that he didn't give the very big, big people, big brahmanas who bathed in the Ganges, who did all those things. He didn't give them mercy if they were proud. Those who are very proud and who are very... Uh, arrogant and they didn't want to really bow down before Krishna, bow down before God. He didn't give them the mercy. But he gave those who came forward humbly with a straw in their mouth or were somehow or another humbled by the instructions of other devotees. And what he gave, that is what's priced qualitatively there's no comparison because he gave pure love for Krishna which even Krishna himself does not give so easily. Hare Krishna. Absolute. Every, every, you can study the symptom. In other words, 
and I don't in India. I don't. I don't. I imagine everywhere, but of course, because I've been living in India, we always study the characteristics of people when they come. Just like in astrology, there's a science called prasna. You walk in a room. When you walk in the room, at that time, where you scratch, what you do, the person sitting there, just by seeing your movements and by other certain signs and other sounds and feelings that are going on, he can already tell you before you speak what you're going to ask him. You see. So we're, we're of course, not really that much interested in all these astrological things, but I'm just using this as an example. That we study how people come. Naturally, when we see how people come, you can see that uh, when someone walks in the door and you can practically see written on his forehead, devotee. And then you see some people where, I mean, you can't even drag them to the temple. <laughs> but somehow, over a period of time, by some association with the devotee, they get the mercy. And once they get that mercy, they actually become very nice devotees. Or they become. So in that sense, uh, even within our limited vision, we can see various types of categories of people that are coming. I'd like to just answer his question, which is given first, because, again, this point I was trying to make is that uh, <clears throat> about the difference between Lord Chaitanya's mercy and the mercy of previous incarnations is that it's not that the holy name wasn't present in this universe before this Kali Yuga. In the Bhagavatam, if you refer, Ajamil chanted the name of Narayan and he was delivered. And Valmiki only could speak the Ramayana by chanting the name of Ram. Of course, he chanted as a Namavas, Mara, 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 kill, 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 and I came out, Ram, Ram, Ram. But because of chanting, he became purified from Dosuratnakar to Valmiki, the great sage, from, the, uh, from an armed robber, thief, murderer, to a, a great self-realized sage by chanting. And that was in the Treta Yuga, 10,000 years before Rama appeared. Then, uh, of course, Prahlad Maharaj, he was always chanting Hare Krishna. At the same time, he was always Memor and uh, remembering Krishna. So sometimes he's given credit for smarana, for always remembering Krishna without any deviation. At the same time, he was chanting. So in that way, both the holy name and memory are both claiming their share of credit. Then you can go in the Dwarpa Yuga, you find the Drupadi when she was uh, being uh, attacked by those Kurus who wanted to strip her naked. Ultimately, she started crying for an incredible number of years of chanting before he could actually come to that pure position. That before the chanting of the Holy Name was there, but even the slightest of the ten offenses of the Holy Name, if someone did, they wouldn't get the effect. Then chanting had to become completely offensive. But we see that anyone, they come in... If they chant Shri Krishna Chaitanya Panchatattva Mantra and they chant Hare Krishna, it's not at all unusual to see them dancing even the first time they've come in. Or if not the first, within a few times of visiting. And they're feeling very happy. You see, which is already a very advanced stage. This is because of Lord Chaitanya's special mercy that he erases the offenses. 
that he does even that he doesn't consider these offenses. So that's why not only the holy name has got of course this power but of it's the most uh, purifying uh for our sins. I gave a whole class this morning on the difference between sin and offense with some example, but I know it's late, so maybe we can continue that. I can, one, I could even give a repeat of the same class I gave in LA this, yes, this morning, uh, with a little upgrading for the special new novelty philosophical spheres of the truth. But, uh, that is, that's a whole, to understand the difference between, uh, sin and offense is a very subtle thing, but it's very important to understand the difference. You see. And I don't know if I have to, if I start getting the whole description of that, it may take at least an hour or a half hour to really get into, uh, a very clear description. But there's a difference, and the thing is that the holy name destroys sin in any age. In any age, it always destroys sin. It's in all the Vedas. Even you can chant one pure name of Krishna, and that will take away more sins than you can commit. Then you can commit even in millions of births. But these offenses, even a little offense, and that can hold you up. You see, so Lord Chaitanya, he also wipes one of all the previous effects. He frees one away. That's why by chanting the name of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, because the thing is we're chanting Hare Krishna, but we're definitely making a lot of offenses. We might criticize the devotee, we might do so many different things. So we may be inattentive while we're chanting, we're maintaining attachments while chanting. Still we're feeling some stress and happiness. How is that possible? This is because Lord Chaitanya, because we're taking shelter of Him, we're not being taken heavy count on these offenses. Unless we do some Vaishnava offense, something which is very intolerable for Lord Chaitanya, then other offenses uh, he is forgiving very easily. Even if one makes a Vaishnava aparad, it's even possible to get forgiven for that, but that's much more difficult. But it's possible even by Lord Chaitanya's mercy to get, and there are also examples of Grave, grave Vaishnava. Of course, Jagai Mata is one of them. There's another one also. Devananda Pandit did a terrible offense against Srinivas Acharya. Uh, Srinivas Prabhu of the Panchatapta. But he was also forgiven. So, uh, that is a special characteristic that not only the Holy Name came, but because Lord Chaitanya brought the Holy Name and he's giving the forgiveness for all these offenses, that's why the Holy Name, uh, Potency is completely being uninhibited by offense, by Lord Chaitanya's mercy. Therefore, uh, because other ages, pure people would chant the holy name and they would reap the benefits. Just like Narada Muni is chanting. But in this age, we're hardly pure. So, chanting also is, 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 is not the easiest thing to do. Krishna says, Japanam, Yajnanam, Japa, Yajnanam, is the greatest of all the sacrifices to chant the holy name. So we're able to do it even though in this age of Kali we have all the bad qualities because Lord Chaitanya special dispensation is forgiving us for all these things.
Therefore, Srila Prabhupada said it's more important actually to chant the Panchatattva mantra than the Hare Krishna mantra in the Kali Yuga. It's actually more important. But people would ask us, why don't we just chant that? Why don't we chant Hare Krishna? Because Lord Chaitanya ordered us to chant Hare Krishna. He said, Bolo Krishna, Bhajra Krishna, Gaurav Krishna, Shikha. So this order, therefore, we follow his order and we chant Hare Krishna. But actually chanting Lord Chaitanya's name is more important because by his mercy we're able to chant Hare Krishna without offense. That one I heard in uh, that one that collection of quotes from all the I've heard I read in there that all the by the dust of Lord Caitanya's lotus feet, would that be enough for the living? Nothing else, all the people on the earth. This is scientific, and they say that uh, you can use the scientific. That every, every uh, when you let out some gas or something, like they say the aerosols is going up to the ionosphere and polluting the ozone layer and everything. That means that just like if you have a glass of water, you put in some ink, within no time at all, it'll go through the whole glass. So just even the air that Lord Chaitanya is breathing at that time is going throughout the whole world. There's so many influences that Lord Chaitanya is present that would uh, purify everyone from their previous reaction. Again, there's a difference between Krishna Prema and Mukti. Even if everybody gets liberated into the Brahma Jyoti, we don't consider that to be uh, very desirable. Again, we fall back down. Does it say that he gave everyone love for God or that he took, he liberated them? He liberated them. He took them back to God. So that doesn't mean they got love for God. It doesn't mean they got prema. They may, they got some form of mukti. But he gave prema, pure love for Krishna, to his special devotees. To many, anyone who wanted it, they could come and get it. But just by being a president, when when the Lord was in the battlefield of Kurukshetra, everyone was liberated. celebration that he gets the Ujjimukti then there's no question of love for God and uh, strictly speaking those who are in Shanta Rasa they don't really consider it to be Krishna Prema Krishna Prema begins from Dasya Rasa 
from serving. Those who are in the neutral mode are not always considered that that's actually love for God in uh, as Krishna Prema. But uh, some cases it, might, it may be considered and some cases it may not be considered. But the way our, also our previous acharyas consider is that actually Golok Vrindavan is Krishna Prema. Where you starting from Sakya, Vatsalya, and Madhurya. And then some special devotees of, say, Ramachandra, like Hanuman, other, they actually possess, uh, even Dasyabhava, they possess Krishna Prema. There are many who are just there, they got Salokya Mukti. They are the same planet as the Lord. Doesn't mean that they develop that level of prema of way. Probably I'm not missing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm losing or gaining. But uh, in terms of being in the spiritual, you may never see nine. You may be on the same planet. To be in his association, you see, that's the samitya. Sarshni, put is to be near, associate. Sarupi is the same form. So those who get Krishna pain, they automatically get all the four liberations, they reject the emerging one. They get all the four, they don't, but they're not anxious for that because they simply want to develop the pure serving attitude, the pure love for the Lord, they automatically develop all the four liberations. But they're not very concerned about that. They're concerned with serving the Lord. They're loving uh, relationships. And independently, just to be offered, just like, would you like us, you know, just to be offered one of the liberations, Without Krishna, they're not interested. Of course, this is all quite inconceivable from us at this point. We're trying to understand what is beyond time and space. We're in the third dimension. This is going on in the fourth dimension. I mean, I understand the words of the question, but I don't understand the purport of the question.
said that pure devotees in the material world, we have Kanista Arikari Madhyama Uttam. Kanista Arikari may also be pure devotee. Third class pure devotee, second class pure devotee, first class pure devotee. But in the spiritual world, there's no Maya bodies. They can't approach the spiritual planes. So there, they're already uh, muk- uh, mukta. They're already trying to liberate in the spiritual world. They don't have to fall down. They say this permanently. So the uh, nomenclature of uh, Kanista Madhya Uttam doesn't really uh, doesn't really apply to someone living in the spiritual world. They're already Nitya Mukta. They're already liberated. And Kanista means that they have some uh, possibility of having their faith shaken. At least having their arguments uh, shaken, where they where they become a little bit lost for words, as to defeat an opposing argument. Madhya Madhikari may sometimes not be able to give all these scriptural references to a certain argument, but in spite of that, the faith is never slightly shaken. Uttam Madhikari is. Uh, Faith is unshaken and is able also to present things according to Shastra and according to the previous Acharyas. When a person is in Nitya Mukta, when he's already seeing the material nature and Krishna energy in the spiritual world, then he's already got a Sarupu Palavati, the realization of his eternal form. So then these type of moment pages no longer have, they really don't apply. They're already liberated soul. But there's still different grades of prema, even in the in the bhag in the center of devotion is described, there are eight levels of prema. Even within prema there's one. And even in liberated states there are different levels, which are not material levels. But uh, they indicate how intensely one is attached to the Lord by certain symptoms. But anyone living in the spiritual world is already completely detached from Maya. Even those who are in the Brahma Jyoti, there's no more connection with Maya. The danger they may again fall down easily. For those in the spiritual planets, generally will never come down here. And there's no Maya bodies to go up there to argue with. They don't. They aren't cognizant of the eternal situation. So there's no question of bewilderment or uncertainty. The only other thing is that just to what extent they are and what type of service they're rendering to Krishna and to what intensity of love is there. Love and desire. Love and desire obviously important for the Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-
That's the real qualification. Lolyamsa, the Upadeshamita describes that the price that you pay to get Krishna is your desire. That is the only propellant. Going through the rituals without any desire, that alone, that will take some time and then by doing the rituals one will develop desire. Yeah. That's, a, that's what sadhana bhakti means, is that in the beginning you don't have much desire to reach Krishna. So you do the practice. And those practices are designed to purify one so that the desire spontaneously awakens. In the beginning it seems almost artificial in the sense that say you don't want to get up in the morning but you force yourself to do that. You want to eat different things but you force yourself that with your intelligence you have to tell that no, you should only eat this Krishna food. In the beginning, there's some offenses are there. It's called the clearing stage. First offensive and then clearing. So that's the offensive stage. That uh, we're desiring material things, but somehow by good association, by intelligence, we understand that those desires are not pure. Therefore, we we have developed bad habits. And so then we force ourselves to develop good habits. We force ourselves to eat Krishna Prasadam to get up in the morning and take the, and attend the morning functions. And so what happens is by doing this, then after some practice in this way, gradually one gets over the offensive stage and comes to a clearing stage where offenses are eradicated. And then one develops a spontaneous desire. At that time, it's like the difference where you're trying to push your car to get it started and then it finally uh, it turns over you take off and so your engine is your car has been in the dump for a long time <laughs> the battery is dead and now you gotta charge it up for chanting and then you gotta sometimes give it a push and once you get it started you can go on you just have to keep putting the fuel in chanting that goes there even in the Beginning and the end. You can't get started without the change. Sometimes it's a desire. That's the desire. And then you think the car can start anyway. It's going to start. That's called this. If you read the Upadasha Mita, the Nectar of Instruction, you read that very short little book, but it's still even just the first few verses of it. very important. One of the verses says that there are six qualities important for devotional service. The first one is Usaha, enthusiasm. The second one is Durja, patience. And the third one is Isaya, which means uh, being convinced or determined. 
So the determination or being fully confident that if I stick to the process, I'm going to be successful. That Krishna promises throughout the Bhagavad Gita in several places. Become my devotee, think of me, bow down to me, worship me. You will come to me. Satyam. Say, this is the truth, this is my promise. In many places like that, he promises. And you can also say, well, there's so many other devotees. They're also on the spontaneous, any of them are on the spontaneous platform, where if you start to try to distract them with some other activity, not connected with devotional service, they'll become there. They'll become impatient. Just like the new bhaktas or people that are coming in and they're impatient whenever they think of something in the material world they could enjoy, because their attachment is still there. The devotee, even if he thinks about something that may distract him from devotional service, he comes in He gets back to Because he's realizing through that service in the conditioned stage, when we get on spontaneous devotion, through the service itself, you realize transcendental ecstasy constantly. You never want that to be broken for a second. It's just in the very beginning stages that one has to force the mind to accept the purification. Because the mind is just like a bucking, bucking bronco. You have to tame the horse. It's never been tamed. No one ever tries to control their mind. A little bit in school you control it. Just study. Don't go out and drink tonight. Or don't do this. I got to pass the exam. And those who do, don't control their mind that much, they clunk. So the material nature forces one to do all these austerities. Huh? Also, the, the, the point is, just like an experiment, if you do it, it doesn't take very long. Even if you do it for a short time and you and you follow the prescription that Krishna gives, you can immediately, within just a couple months, you can actually experience it. Even sometimes in a few days, but definitely within a couple months. If a person does properly, then he can experience not a very long change. It doesn't take very long. That's what, so we need a little patience that we're enthusiastic, we start, but immediately we think, well, it's been already six days, I haven't seen Krishna yet. So we have a little patience that, no, we've been here millions of births, so it won't happen just as quickly as in my life. But actually, after some time, you find out that it actually happens quite quickly. But in material life, we're we're, we're very uh, eager for it, immediate result. But we don't always get an immediate result in the spiritual uh, sphere. Even if the results there, we're not often pure enough to perceive the results. It takes us a while to focus on how many results are occurring. What changes are happening because it's in a very on the most uh, fine of all the platforms. And as it's coming down, then we see actually how we're becoming detached, how we're becoming uh, steady, 
our becoming peaceful. So the, the promises of Krishna, the example of other devotees, the words of the spiritual master, one's own realization, all these things uh, in the words of the scriptures, uh, other great histories of other devotees in the, in the Vedas, like Dhruva and Prahlad and so on. We study these and then this helps and uh, this gives us the conviction. But then we don't just leave it as some kind of blind faith and we practice it ourselves and then we realize that by the way, I just don't want to be blind. Thank you.